0: Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of Scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Hello, brave parents. Kelly and Chelsea here. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking about the heart and how biblically, it is influenced by media and technology. I think that we can all look at the rise of depression, anxiety, the abundance of isolation, loneliness, skepticism, fear, anger, and envy in order to recognize there is a problem which needs to be addressed. And the Bible describes these issues as all stemming from the heart. So before we look deeper into all these issues and topics surrounding media and technology, we really want to learn about how our hearts
1: function in relation to our emotions and behaviors. Exactly. I kind of think that how we're going to approach the heart and media and technology is kind of different because we're specifically looking at God's definition of the heart and not the world's definition. And honestly, Kelly, I mean, just not to like pat ourselves on the back, but I really don't know of anyone else who is talking about these issues in this specific way. It's true. And I think this perspective, well, it's unique, but it's so important because I
0: think this is one of those episodes that as we continue talking about more nuanced technology topics, we're going to refer back to this episode because it's not always a behavior issue. You can't just say, oh, we just need to change this behavior. It's a heart issue. And that's what we're going to focus on today. And it is our hope that as you listen The Lord gives you a better understanding of how he created our hearts to function and engage with the world and culture that we are surrounded by, which for us
1: involves a ton of online content. Dude, it's like way too much content, like just too much. But this is an essential point, right? A biblical worldview and online content, they like collide at the intersection of the heart. See, worldview is driven by the heart and the heart is influenced by online content. So when we see young people mimicking what they view online with behaviors they wouldn't normally do or just wouldn't align with their worldview or value system, then we really have to wonder what's going on in the heart because no one is innocent in their choices as the heart prompts their thoughts, the emotions, and the will. So take, for example, the young girl who's posting seductive bikini pictures online who is also been brought up in a Christian home and who understands God's desire for purity and modesty. She's not a victim of the media's influence, although influence did play a role in her choice, but there is a cognitive, affectional, and willful agreement in her heart with the world. Essentially, her thoughts, her desires, and her choices, which all stem from the heart, were influenced to align with the world's value system. And this is what we mean when we say a biblical worldview collides with online content at the heart level. We don't, I i don't know, I don't think we need to look into studies or statistics to understand how influence happens, because scripture teaches us that where your treasure is, there your heart is. And our hearts, as we will talk about, are not only prone to wander willfully, but they're easily led astray by influence. I think that's a great point and a great example um, that you gave about a girl
0: posting those type of pictures. We just want to say, oh, she's just doing what everybody else is doing, but we have to look deeper into that behavior, and that is what we're doing. We're looking at where it stems from, which is the heart. The heart is the source of our thoughts, affections, and will. Those three things. Biblically, the heart is understood, and always has been, to be the seat of life or strength. The heart encompasses the mind, soul, and spirit which is why God's greatest commandment for us is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your mind. That's Matthew 22:37. 37. It was a person's center for both physical, emotional, intellectual, and moral activities, biblically then, in antiquity, and now. And as Proverbs 4:23 says, And this is really the most profound verse when it comes to the heart, I think, is we are to guard our hearts above all else for everything you do flows from it.
1: I also kind of think about Luke 645, which records Jesus is teaching and he says, good things flow from a good treasure in the heart, but the opposite is equally true. Jesus also said that evil flows from the evil treasure in in the heart, right? It all originates in the heart. And this shouldn't be a surprise to us because scripture tells us in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things, and it's beyond cure. This is why God sent his son to redeem our hearts. The prophecy in Ezekiel 36 tells us that God had to exchange our heart of stone for a heart of flesh. Now, you or I or any believing Christian recognizes the Ezekiel 36 reality. Our hearts are transformed through Christ, and he alone is the cure for the sinfulness of our hearts. Personally, as I've walked and groaned in my faith, there are just like TV shows, books, ideas, beliefs that I just, I don't engage with anymore because Jesus has changed my heart. This means our hearts were never neutral or inactive, but they're quite the opposite. Our hearts are always interacting and changing based on the world around us. And even if you don't understand how scripture defines the heart, you can totally see this play out in the culture. See, most popular mantras right now are like, follow your heart, meaning that someone behaves in exact and acts where the heart's emotions and desires lead, we see the heart on social media posts and text messages as the way to show love. culturally, the heart is equivalent to love, which isn't necessarily wrong, but it's not a full truth that's so
0: true. I mean for me, if I was to say <laughs> where my heart has changed, like I used to love sex in the city and all kind of like really crazy shows, and I think
1: back now, like what like the book's Twilight when I was young, like what? I know, I used to love friends, but they talk about porn too much, as if it's okay. And I'm like, no, that's not okay. Right. So
0: that's a great example of just how our heart changes as we grow in Christ. And this we should be seeing in our kids. As they grow closer to, they should be seeing the world, their worldview in a different light. And I would guess that because of culture's definition of the heart as being equal to love Most people hold the belief that they can control their own hearts, that they can sort of will it to be neutral or to not feel something or to feel something or to not judge something or desire something. You know, you may hear, I refuse to have my heart broken again, or, you know, I'll never forgive that person for what they did, or I would never do that. And that, you know, can be drugs, porn, cheating, stealing. Paying $500 for a purse, you know, whatever that may be, you know, we say these things, but lo and behold, we're heartbroken or we're friends again with someone who hurt us or we're doing something that we vowed that we would never do. And this is because we don't have control of our hearts like we always think we do. As you said, Chelsea, our hearts are interacting and changing based on the world around us, based on the information we're taking in and based on the influences that we allow, that we're allowing into our heart. And this is precisely how scripture describes our hearts as thinking, feeling, and willing entities. They're never
1: neutral. Okay. I think we should take like a hot moment to validate this claim that scripture teaches that we have thoughts, emotions, and a will that flow from our heart. Yeah,
0: absolutely. In regard to thoughts, Jesus says in Matthew 9, 4 to some teachers of the law, Why do you think evil in your hearts? And in Mark eight seventeen to his disciples, Jesus said, Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? So here we can see that the heart is functioning with thoughts and understanding. It's not only just our mind. It's our heart that Jesus says is where our thoughts and understanding comes from.
1: Mm-hmm. And the Bible also recognizes the affections of the heart. Now, the affections are strong desires or values that stir emotions and move people into action. So like in Luke 12, 34, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Now, I know the Bible doesn't use the, use the word emotion, but the affections, it's an umbrella term for emotions. And we all have a value system by which we judge the world, Right. And our emotions are the gauge of that value system that they place on certain objects. Now, there are a ton of emotions in the Bible, which is why so many people are drawn to the Psalms, because they express a wide range of human emotions. So like, for instance, in John 16, excuse me, 22, Jesus says, your hearts will rejoice. Or again, in John 14, 1, let not your hearts be troubled, neither be afraid. So rejoicing, feeling troubled, fear, or being afraid, these are all strong emotions or affections of the heart.
0: So we have the heart then functioning with thoughts, and we've just seen it function with affection. And the third way is our will. So in Matthew five twenty-eight, Jesus says, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So with lustful intent, did you notice that word, intent? That intent, where does it stem from? Well, Jesus says it's stemming from the heart, demonstrating that our hearts are willful, right? The heart has desires that it wants fulfilled. And these functions of the heart help us understand why we do what we do. This is why Proverbs 4.23 tells us to guard our hearts with God's word because all we do flows from it, flows from our hearts. Our hearts need God's word more than it needs anything of this world. The same proverb says that God's word is life and health to the one who knows it. So if our hearts are constantly focused on the things of this world, it shouldn't be surprised that what flows from it is just more worldliness. And of course, all the worldly emotions that comes with it, which honestly looks like Depression, anxiety, fear of the future, fear of missing out, fear of others' opinions, wickedness, envy, anger. I mean, I could go on and on with the tragedy that is our world today. It's completely detached from God's word. We see it every time we turn the news on. But when our hearts are focused on God's word, out of the overflow of our hearts, will be peace, love, joy, right? These are the things that comes from God's word.
1: Absolutely. And this is why I think we can see from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the command to think on, meditate on, love and treasure scripture. I mean, just look at Colossians 3, 1 through 2. Since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, not on earthly things. Or Philippians 4, 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Listen, brave parents, Scripture must influence our hearts more than entertainment. Amen. That was so nice. You need to say that twice. Scripture must influence our hearts more than entertainment. Because like, when the context of our lives is news outlets news outlets, but which, which they do not speak what is true, what is noble, or what is right. And if where we spend our time on social media is not pure, lovely, or admirable, if the content of our online video games are not excellent or praiseworthy, our worship is bound to be disordered because our hearts have disordered thoughts, affections, and wills. They are not in alignment with God. Let's walk this out in an example that is sadly and tragically all too common. Today, because of social media and its influence, the majority of young people now seeking gender transition are young girls. It's so tragic, Kelly. I, I, like, it breaks my heart every time we talk about this. I mean, how on earth could so many girls all of a sudden have gender dysphoria when historically the numbers were almost either non-existent for adolescent girls and they were only found in a small percentage of middle-aged men 30 years ago? We have to ask ourselves why adolescent girls' hearts think on, have affections for, and act out changing their gender, right? We have to wonder what's going on. Well, the research is pointing to the fact that they have been influenced by social media and peer groups. Their hearts have been influenced. Their unguarded hearts have interacted and engaged with the world and have changed accordingly. They're doing exactly what James tells them not to do, and that is to be friends with the world. Remember, a friendship with the world is hatred towards God. At the end of the day, you are either going to worship the creation, which can be yourself or other people, or you're going to worship the creator. One of those is far superior than the other. And we have to remember, like we
0: said several times already, the heart is never neutral. What we're seeing is these young girls, their hearts are engaging with online content, which sadly is replete with the promotion of self The search for attention, identity, and validation. Do these young girls just simply desire to fit in, to be seen, to be heard? You know, whatever the answer is, we know that they are influenced to think on, affection after, and to act out this way. And we know this because it's obvious that it is not God's design for females to become males. Their actions in transitioning genders reveal what the treasure of their heart is. Now, we don't want to get into a complete tangent, specifically into the topic of gender ideology. However, I do really think that this social contagion, it provides us a really relevant example of how the heart interacts with media and the consequences of that influence.
1: I think a good point we want to make is that none of this occurred in a vacuum, right? Each person is responsible for their actions, their choices, their desires, their thoughts, their affections. We can look at the heart and assume its functions are compartmentalized or they work independently from each other, but we cannot assume their thoughts are not going to move into their actions or that their emotions won't influence their behavior. Because remember, affections stir up emotions that move people into action. See, all of these modes of the heart, they're working together to produce the behaviors and the actions that we see. And as we always like to say on the Brave Parenting podcast, these scenarios do not go from A to Z. There were choices that were made from B to Y. There's a slow fade into Z.
0: And parents have a part of that B to Y and what kind of media we're allowing our kids to be influenced by. I know that if you as a parent who has used social media before, you have already recognized how your own thoughts, affections, and will is changed by consuming or even posting content. And maybe, maybe you think, oh, it's not that bad. You know, I'm fine. I can still love Jesus, even though I am affected by social media. The reality that we must all face, whether we talk about social media, we talk about video games, whatever internet content it is, is that this is not neutral. And by neutral, I mean like social media by its very nature has a purpose to make you the product that is sold. They are not neutral. (laughs) The platforms don't exist because they have this altruistic desire for the world to have an open and free place to share their lives. No, these platforms exist to make money. Therefore, they cannot be neutral, but instead are dynamically engaged with your content, your likes, your dislikes, your personal information, all of it, and the algorithms control what you see what advertisements are shown to you, and who and when others see what you share. So this is a hugely important point. We have two non-neutral entities dynamically working alongside each other, the heart and media, specifically social media. Do we really believe that the result when these two non-neutral entities come together will be to worship, glorify, and honor God? Will the result be peace, joy, contentment, and zen? Never. Never. This is not what's going to result from these two non-neutral entities.
1: It's so true. Can I just like – can we just think about like the algorithm and like the dynamicism? Is that a right – is that the right word, Kelly, that 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 you just described? Shouldn't we all feel kind of like used like in a gross sort of weird way? Like it's using us to buy I do. things? Yeah. It's gross, right, if we really sit down and think about it.
0: We talk about something or we do a quick Google search and then all of a sudden we're getting advertisements for this yeah. on our social media. Like the right. way that it engages with every single thing we do on our phone, it is
1: a little sick. It is, right. It's, it's, you kind of feel used. Like It's kind of like social media is like a missionary with its own gospel and I'm the mission field. To be like plowed over and like molded into like its worldview. Does that make sense? Like it's just gross.
0: Yeah, it's true. You are the means to their end. But I mean, the reality is, is social media companies or tech companies and media, you know, video game companies, whatever you want to say, they don't care about you and they don't care about your heart. They care about their bottom line. They care about selling products. They care about influencing you to buy their products into be consumed by their product
1: that's just the reality so then if that's us as parents we really should consider our children right what are their hearts to they're dynamically interacting with the world around them but when they're consuming media content on their phones do we really know and understand what's happening in their hearts right i'm a grown adult i have some measure of like you know life to guard um some of my heart but they're so young they have they have less experience in this world so they take it all as truth right I think what you said is really profound do we know
0: what's happening in their hearts but the, but the I think the reality is also do they even know and they, that's yeah. the point we don't because they're so young and they're so influential. and is that the right word yeah I think so <laughs> prone to influence and prone to change um they're growing right. they so That's a big deal because if we don't know what's going on in our kids' hearts and they can barely identify it, that sort of confusion leads us to the chaos we live in today.
1: Right? That's so true. I mean, if they don't have God's word hidden in their heart and if they aren't thinking about and meditating on God's truth, isn't it hard to imagine their hearts wouldn't be captivated by the world and all of its trappings? I mean, we've talked about the allure of fame and wealth on TikTok, but it can be as simple as desiring popularity, which, hey, That happens regardless of social media. Y'all remember seventh grade? It was a nightmare, right? (laughs) Or like just desiring approval. And when their heart is interacting with the world this way, with these thoughts, with these affections, with their will and intent to pursue these things, right? A heart designed by God to worship him will never, ever, ever be at peace worshiping the world or themselves. And here we're suggesting these earthly heart pursuits at such young ages are a huge source of depression, anxiety, fear, isolation, skepticism, envy, extreme materialism, and more in our young people today, which is what we're going to talk about in pretty much all year, Cal. I don't think we're ever going to get off of this, I don't know, what do you want to call it, bandwagon? I don't know what you want to call it, soapbox? Like. <laughs> we're going to be talking about this all year long in our podcast episodes, but we really We can't do it without discussing a biblical view of the heart first. Essentially, we want, not only for
0: ourselves, but to help you glorify God with our media habits and help our children do the same. And it can be done. We really, truly believe that this can be done, that we don't have to become Luddites, as they say, and never interact or engage with media and technology. But here's the thing. We need two bits of information for us to do this to glorify God with our media habits. And the first is a necessary and sobering reality of how how vulnerable our hearts are to the influence of media. We have to recognize how vulnerable we are. We've said it, I think, a hundred times, maybe not that many in this podcast. Our hearts are not neutral, but they are engaging and changing with the media content we consume. That is so, so important. And if we just remember the verse that you shared, Jeremiah 17, 9, our hearts are deceitful above all else. There is no cure. Jesus is the only cure. So if we recognize that our hearts are not only prone to wonder, that we not only that they're deceitful, but that they are extremely vulnerable to media, we by recognizing this, we can help ourselves glorify God with our media habits. And the second piece of information that we need is honestly, how much God is willing to sacrifice for our hearts. This is the truth of the gospel, that he sent his son who went and died for our sins so we could have a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone that is sinful. So are we going to really continue to be so flippant about our hearts and how it's engaging when this is what Jesus came and willingly died for? Truly, the gospel should be changing our lives. So As we prepare to close out this episode, we have some personal reflection questions that will help you evaluate where your treasure is, what it is that you value, and why you make the choices that you make. Because again, if we're going to glorify God with our media habits, we have to start with the heart, and that is identifying where that treasure is. So for our thinking hearts, we can ask these questions. If your attention is not engaged with online content, where do your thoughts go? How often do you think about content you've either seen or that you've posted or created versus how often do you think about God? That's that's a sobering question because media and technology take up so much of our lives. And I'm not saying I'm holier than that like it it takes up a lot of my own life. And so this is, this is humbling for all of us. Also, does your mind go to scripture when stress, frustration, or even joy and happiness occurs? How much does our heart reflect God, God's word in our lives? Or how much is it reflecting the media and technology we're consuming?
1: Those are fantastic questions, Kelly. I just want to drop one in there. Do your thoughts continually worship God, asking, Lord, how can today or this moment glorify you?
0: I love that that one. Yeah, I love that. I love that question. It's simple, yet so profound, is how can I glorify you in this moment right now? And that can be the worst of moments, but it's easy to do it in the greatest of moments. But that's, yeah, or even when you're engaging or you're doing something that you have to do that is online with media technology. So, okay, so that was for our... Thinking hearts and for our feeling hearts, we can ask these questions How does your screen time demonstrate where your affections are? How much time are you engaging online versus spending time doing other things that you say that you love, right? What are your emotions like when you're done scrolling? Are they angry from political posts? Are they filled with hateful thoughts towards someone who perhaps thinks differently than you that you found online? Um, or do you long for more? Do you miss the scroll and the pictures and the short reels that make you laugh? Or you can ask yourself, what kind of emotions do you display when your scroll time is interrupted? Mm, if your child, that's a big one. <laughs> if your child, you know, uh, catches you, you're just sitting there scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Are you embarrassed? Are you ashamed? Are you angry because mm-hmm. you're watching a funny video and you, now you have to put the phone? phone down and go cook some lunch or whatever that is. These reflection questions are humbling and they can just be between you and God. We're not asking for your responses to be (laughs) given to us. They are just between you and the Lord to help transform you, to help sanctify you. And so the third one then is for our willful hearts. How often are your intentions driven by the online content you consume? How many purchases this year have you made based on ads or promotions that you've seen on TikTok or something from your Instagram feed? I think that Stanley water cup thing that everybody seems to have that's like $50 or $100 or something is a great example. I'm not saying if you have one that your heart's in the wrong place. I'm just saying these type of social... Um you know, global influences and how many people just latch onto them is just a right. great example right of of what we what purchases we might, what our intentions are from what we're seeing online. Reflecting you know back on just this week, how many times have you committed to reading your Bible and actually followed through? And what about prayer or scheduling intentional face-to-face time with a Christian sister or brother? the intentions of our heart may be to do these things. But when push comes to shove, are we just getting on our phones? Are we just watching YouTube videos? Are we just watching Netflix or whatever, scrolling TikTok? Those are the questions. And friends, you're not alone. I mean, this is a struggle (laughs) of all all mankind, not just Christians, not just non-Christians or whatever. This is a struggle all of us are in right now, which is why we're approaching this. We are approaching the heart. It is the heart of the issue is to reflect on where your heart's thoughts and feelings
1: and wills are going. I had two thoughts on what you just said, Cal. First of all, I just want to encourage people with because what you just said is true. We're all going through the same thing. I think it's First Corinthians ten thirteen where it says, nothing is uncommon to man. So you're not alone right. in this. And God says, his word says that he will help us bear up under the burden of whatever pressure we're facing in our Whatever lives. Whatever temptation. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. He will ha- he's not going to immediately resolve it, but he helps us bear up underneath that that temptation. But then I was also thinking the other night I was at small group and someone was like, oh, you got new shoes to the guy who was sitting next to me. And he was like, well, no, they're like from six months ago. They popped up in my Instagram feed. And I was like, yeah, I could use some new shoes. So I bought them. And he's like, but they're too small. And I was looking at him, and I was like, the algorithm got you. And he was like, yes, it did. The <laughs> algorithm got me. That's yeah. so funny. We we just all, yeah. we fall prey to it, don't we? We like do. it's out there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So just parents, as we kind of like wrap this up, we just remember that change begins with us because we are the parents, right? We don't want to be hypocritical and instruct our kids in one way, only to close the door and then behave in the completely opposite manner. So whether your tendency is to make your personal care an ultimate thing, hashtag self-care, or you have the idea that you can't help your kids until you've taken care of yourself first. Don't do don't do that, right? It's not like that idea of like, I got to lose five pounds before I can go to the gym so that I look good in my clothes at the gym. Like, no, we're just going to start. We have to start somewhere. We just accept that change is imperfect and it's gradual. But it, starting is the most important step. So if you're waiting to figure out your faith and how to share it with your kids or trying to get a handle on your own media overload – Before you help your kids, then number one, you're going to be waiting forever. And number two, you're never going to get to your kids. So we just walk out godliness with our kids together imperfectly, but for the glory of him and him alone. That's right. That is so, so important. And I think as you
0: reflect on your own heart, always consider your child's heart. Ask yourself the same type of questions regarding their thoughtful, affectionate, and willful hearts. When your child behaves in a certain way, the question is, is what's going on in their heart, right? That's a very typical, when you're parenting a toddler, you're not always getting at the behavior, you're always asking, you know, where, where is their heart when they are doing such and such behavior. But in our lives, how much of it just becomes a label of, oh, this child, you know, has behavior issues, or these are school issues, or these are mental health issues. Aren't they just really just issues of the heart? A heart that has been heavily influenced by media that they consume. We want to have a heart that that longs to have its thoughts and affections and its will aligned with the design of the creator, right? So we want it to worship God, to honor God, to seek God's will, to seek after God's thoughts and affections. Brave parents, it is all about the heart. We need to be praying for our children's hearts and leading their hearts Towards Jesus, not the entertainment media that only satisfies their flesh. Please hear me. It is not about making them happy and entertained. Because why? Because Proverbs 2423 says that everything we do flows from the heart. Therefore, guard it. If we if we don't want our kids acting out. In these crazy worldly ways of hypersexuality or changing their gender or, oh my word, the crime that we see all over the news. If we don't want our kids acting out that way, well, then we need to guard their hearts because they are going to be influenced by all of
1: that that they
0: take in.
1: Mm -hmm. I don't know how much pushback we're going to get on this, but um, John MacArthur, I was just listening to one of his sermons, he said, We've decided to label everything a sickness, and so we've forgotten about sin completely. And oh, I was like oh, that was a mic drop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, we've just, yeah, we don't want to
0: acknowledge that we're sinful. Exactly.
1: But hey, that's, that's a- why, hey, that's why state of theology said that's the number one doctrine that's disappearing right now is, yeah, the original
0: sin. But we are, we are sinful. Our hearts are, Jeremiah 17, yeah, are deceitful they're wicked. Above all else. Mm-hmm. We think we think terrible thoughts. We want to do, you know, we need
1: Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And this is why we call it brave parenting, right? Because the easy and comfortable thing to do is to just give them their heart's desires, let them follow their heart, which is unlimited online content. The brave hard work is giving them what their hearts need, and that is more of Jesus, less of the world. Do not give them so much entertainment that they would fall away from him. Chelsea that just reminds me I saw a
0: commercial today for PlayStation and their new tagline is play without limits. Stop it. And I you just said, you know, to give them their heart's desire, which is unlimited online content. If you were to ask a young child what they would desire the most if you could have anything the most time whatever uh, you know, a lot of kids would say unlimited time on the screen. That is their heart's desire. And these people, <laughs> these people, you know, the tech companies, the social media, the video game producers, they know this. Right. If they they are, work
1: dynamically too. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. These are not neutral entities. They're saying, hey, play without limits. Parents are like, limits.
1: Companies are like, no limits. What do you think's happening in the heart? Right. Who, and who are the kids going to choose, right? What satisfies more? The flesh. On
0: that, <laughs> I think that's a perfect note to, to end on.
1: <laughs> As we said,
0: we're going to be talking, we're going to refer back to this. So I hope that you listen and then maybe re-listen. Um, it's something that we are constantly reminding ourselves of. If I come to Chelsea with an issue, maybe with myself or my kids or whatever, she too reminds me, it's the heart, Kelly. What is going on in your heart? What is going on in your kid's heart? This is something that we always and just constantly, persistently need to go back to is remembering that these are issues of our heart and we need to guard our hearts so that we are not overly influenced um, to not only walk away from Christ, but to allow our kids to do the same. So awesome. Thank you, Chelsea. I appreciate all your work on this episode, and thank you so much for joining us today on the Brave Parenting podcast. We would love for you to share this podcast with someone else you know that could benefit and learn from it, so do that, and if you love us, please leave a review. Give us five stars. That is how other people can find the podcast as well. Check out braveparenting.net for more information, and if you have any questions, Please email us at podcast at braveparenting.net. Until next week, y'all go and be brave.